All right, here we are, November 17th, Thanksgiving right around the corner. We're going to bring you the dose of common sense you need before you go into the chaotic, non-commonsensical world of family Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, all those people who don't listen to our show, Common Sense Ohio, which you can check out, of course, at commonsenseohioshow.com, brought to you by Harper Plus Accounting. If you don't know about Harper Plus Accounting by now, all you got to do is go check him out on his website, or better yet, go back and listen to the episode, what, two or three, four or five, six, hundreds of episodes ago. Uh, you can uh, listen to us talk to Glenn Harper, who is the founder of Harper Plus Accounting, and uh, his philosophy on bean counting. And it's not just transactions, guys. It's all sorts of stuff for your small businesses, for your personal, for your big businesses, medium businesses. Everybody's got something that they can grab from Glenn when it comes to uh, tax accounting, financial planning, etc. And uh, he's doing nothing but growing and expanding into all sorts of other areas. Uh, with that, without further ado, we should jump right into our Thanksgiving episode here on November 17, uh, 2023. So next Thursday is Thanksgiving. This is the Friday before, uh, whenever this gets dropped, you'll know. Uh, but you know, there's lots to be thankful for this year. There's lots that you can complain about this year, but I suggest we start with the thankful and, uh, and not go, uh, into the negative. Um, and we do that enough. We I do think. it enough. We really, yeah. we do. Yeah. I mean, that, that takes care of 364 days, honestly. So yeah, we should be thankful. We are. I'm Absolutely. thankful for you guys, honestly. Yep. This a, I love doing this podcast. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I am. Right off the bat. And I'm thankful to Sarah Josepha Hale, who apparently is the godmother of Thanksgiving. She writes a letter to Abe Lincoln, I think, back in 1863-ish, suggesting Thanksgiving. She's an incredible woman. Go Google her, which I did this morning. Um, she did things like, right, Mary had a little lamb. Uh, she was the, uh, she had a, uh, a publication she was the editor in chief of, oh. and, uh, because of her, Abe Lincoln sent a letter and, uh, or, uh, sort of created Thanksgiving as a national, uh, holiday. So we can all be That's thankful. Cool. I'm not going to belabor the point too much here, but, uh, it's some interesting history, Norm. Apparently Canada does a, a holiday on Thanksgiving, uh, obviously not related to ours, but Copy apparently <laughs> other, you know, I don't know what they picked up on, uh, you know, a Viking landed in Newfoundland and I, I, I don't know, but yeah. apparently there's a Canadian version. Is of there? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an occasion to drink and we know our friends up North. So. Yeah. Yeah. So get drunk, have fun and talk about the Canucks. <laughs> right, play a hockey game. Play hockey. Another, another Did day, anything happen uh, in World War II on this date? Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. Well, while, we while, while, while you're doing that, I'll you know just, just kind of bide time here if you if you want. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they after all the drama in D.C., getting a new speaker, you know, and and throwing out um, Kevin McCarthy, so ostensibly that entire fight was over the budget process, right? Yes. And what did the new speaker just do? He, he agreed. Kick the can down the road He kicked the can down the road. So, right. you know, uh, the schism there, uh, you know, between, this is unfair, the Neanderthal wing of the Republican House or whatever you want to call them, which I would be in if I, if I was if I was there, right? Because you know, uh, until frankly, until the Republican Party gets over its fear of a limited, you know, brinksmanship kind of government shutdown, and embraces that that is exactly what's going to have to happen, they're going to have to draw a line in the sand at some point. And say, hey, guys, we just can't keep borrowing money at the rate that we're borrowing. Uh, the dollar will become, you, you know, worthless. 
And the percentage of the U.S. budget going to service the debt is going to be so large, we won't be able to pay for the military, for Social Security, for a number of other things. And like at some point, the $34 trillion in debt has to be addressed. And Mm -hmm. the only way it can be addressed is through reforming the budget process. So, you know, I know they fear being blamed by the mainstream media that the Republicans once again shut down the government. But they have to fear destruction of the country more than fearing the media fingering them. Right. They, you know, at some point they have to really get a hold of themselves and and just say, yeah, you know what, go ahead and blame us. But but you know the country needs to be saved, and we need to we need to um, stop the bleeding. Well, and there's a time when they have to consider, okay, I've you're a countryman. You're doing this to save the country. Yep. Be damned if you're going to get reelected or not. Do the right thing now because this is what you were elected to do. Right. Yeah. The, you the, know these jackasses, and I say all of them. I mean, I, I, absolutely. I say, right. It's like absolutely. It, it's like a. It, it is a complete. It, it's crazy town. Right. I mean, then you see like well, they, we're McCarthy was accused of punching. Uh, right. I mean, it, the yeah, whole thing. Right. Yeah, right. I and saw then you that. Got, then you got Gates jumping in in the in the charade, and he's right. filing ethics complaints. I mean, Jeez. it's like, come on, get you. It, this is absurd. It's, it's playground crap. Yeah. It, you know it's what it is? Playground crap. It really, it's is. like these guys are like the next generation, um, and and it, it, it it's just getting so absurd, right. That these are the leaders of our government, right. And they're acting like buffoons. I mean, I like this new speaker as a human being. I mean, sure, this, he, he, seems he seems good gra- enough. He yeah. seems good enough. You know, and I'm sure the reason he did this CR is he couldn't get the majority of people, because he is one of the Neanderthal Republic, he couldn't get enough people to back him. Well, it's the same deal that McCarthy was going to cut. It's exactly so stupid. Right. And, and, it you know, really is the same deal. Look, 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 Republicans, you don't have the presidency and you don't have the Senate and you've got a very thin majority in the House. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to get this crap done. Just, yeah, it's like just, five votes. Yeah, just just go do the damn job. Right. And, you know, and McCarthy the, actually the had, had, made, had gotten some concessions, had done a decent job, and then yeah. we, we go through this little uh, circus. Yeah. And now here we are back where we started after the circus and these guys are punching each other in the hallways. <laughs> it's uh, like, uh, exactly. a, a lot of this is... <laughs> it's is so stupid. You know, they're terrible at marketing and packaging why they do things. And we talked about this yeah. on, about abortion right. uh, yeah. last week. This could be presented to the American public as an emergency. Mm-hmm. This is a one-time thing that we're doing to shut the government down until we can bring the other side to their senses and, and communicate that, you know, in a, in a message oh, to their to their to their defense, though they don't have the media at their disposal no. as the other side does. They really don't. So, so they need to run a some shutdown. Ads. Is always blamed on That's the Republican. Right. Always, right. Right. right? Always, even if it's the Dems that are not budging, it's yeah. always the Republicans right. that get blamed, That's right, right or wrong. That's I mean, right. that just. The media always and unfortunately, the mainstream Republican boosters, your typical like chambers of commerce, yeah. they all want the CRs. You know, like the the people that you you would think would want budget discipline are like, yeah, let's keep kicking the can down the road because they don't want any disruption yep. in doing business with the government. Well, and, and you know, I guess this is a broader topic. Now we're talking about budget and money and everything else. It's like we, I think our our country as a whole, and, I, and I'm going to blame maybe the younger generations, the the last three generations or the ones, and even mine to some extent, we've just gotten used to this idea that it's okay to keep spending money that we don't have. It's okay to keep printing money that we don't have. It's okay yeah. to have this absurd debt. 
And, you know, start thinking about for a second what happens when the dollar is no longer the gold standard in the world. What happens when the U.S., as I think it just recently had, our credit worthiness was downgraded. It was. It's like, look, folks, you can't live like this forever. You couldn't live like this at your home. So no. what makes you think you can scale it up and live like this at a global level? You right. cannot do it. We, we can't do it. And we're spending money that we don't have for political uh, personal political gain. That's right. So these idiots are voting on, and both sides are doing it. Yeah. yeah. These idiots are voting on crap uh, and, and trying to cram their programs or quote programs and policies through, and we can't afford it. And they're doing it only so they get, they, they can just say who they're helping or what they're giving. I mean, we is, need, we need a reset of a different kind. You know, the, the people talk about the Soros reset, but actually we need a conservative reset where people are reminded that up basically during the years you just talked about the last three or four generations, people have come to expect, and I, I sort of peg it at Hurricane Katrina, right? Yep. Ever since then, it's like anytime a bad thing, define bad thing any way you want, anytime a bad thing happens in your life, people knee jerk now look to the government to solve it for them. mommy and daddy government you know come in and, and the government out. sucks at solving those problems they suck at it you know if so think about this if the government is going to fix something like katrina or come in and, and provide aid they can't just do that you know they have to create a, a an entity yeah. of sorts oh, right. a department a right. program right and uh a FEMA, czar a czar and then somebody's oh, got to yeah. be in charge and what's that person making a, a year you think and then what's the right hand what's the right hand guy right. to that person making a year right. and think of all the people that get employed to write one check to a local state that could you could just write the check mm-hmm. yeah. but you can't do it so they create a whole nother department that's got its whole nother payroll structure it's costing billions right and in Billions to send the same amount, probably less than they would have if they had just sent a check. And I'm not saying you should even send the check. I mean, look, if that's if, right. If 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 I don't have, if I don't expect my parents to pay for my mortgage, and then I don't expect it. It's not going to happen. Right. I'm going to figure out a way to do it myself. Right. right. Um, this is like common sense. Well, that makes sense. It's yeah. common sense, Ohio. Right. You're right. right. Yeah. This just makes common sense. Well, you know, and the one thing you 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 describing it that way. The one thing the government does do very well, though, they build bureaucracy. bureaucracy oh, they're great well. at that. They're they, fantastic. They, that's a right. home run for them. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. That's all they can really and do. And for <laughs> all of the yeah. bureaucracy guys. There's no accountability. None. Exactly. And so all of this money we've given Ukraine, it's a great example, right? They don't know where it went. And you would think, where are the guys with the clipboards sitting in Zelensky's office right. saying, okay, you just got a billion. Now let's see how you're going to spend it. So you think, it does, it is it gross God. incompetence or is there something more plain? It I think maybe a little matter. bit of both. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. To them. Nope. It's, I think, you know. We got to do something. You wonder why right, right. they don't want sunshine on the problem. Right. So, yeah. who like if I'm running a business upstairs as I'm doing, and we're running a business down here mm-hmm. in this podcast studio, and our individual podcast is a business of sorts, and right. you know, I know where the money is, I know where it's going, I know what I'm paying for, and I know what I'm not paying for, yeah. and I have a fiduciary responsibility to both of you and to myself, if there is such a thing. To not waste money. Sure. So I'm not going to go buy the proverbial $1,000 hammer or a line item and as $1,000 when I'm really bearing an expense that's something else that's costing $1,000. I don't want to tell you to. I'm buying. So why does the government get to do that to us? Right. And, and, you know, everybody, everybody's like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, it's always been a deficit. No, bullshit. I mean, it's. No. We should. We collect. Like, I don't even know what the number is, how much we collect as a federal government in taxes every year from our 
like you get taxed when you're born, you get taxed when you die, you get taxed when you make money, you get taxed when you buy stuff, you get yeah. taxed when you, you know, everything's a tax, 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 yeah. tax, tax. There's, there's, ton, there's enough money. So I spent a little time with uh, my personal Glenn Harper, okay, um, and she popped up on the screen. The federal budget annually is six trillion. We're in debt thirty four trillion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the scale of it is just—it's immense, and it's getting bigger. Yeah. So, like, look, I we all we've all had to do this on some level. I mean, every every year in my business, I decide, all right, how much do I want to spend in marketing? How much do I want to spend on labor? How much do I want to spend on paper and pencils? And you know, what's my rent? And can I expand? Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And if I want to buy like a new computer, then I know that I don't get the luxury item that I would have had at home. Right. So as a business, I was like, all right, well, I get the new computer system. I updated all the internet around here this year. It cost me a pretty penny. So I got to take home less, right? right. And that means I didn't buy something else at home that I would have. The right. government doesn't work that way. They just say, you're not paying enough, Norm, so we need to collect more from you, Brett, because we want this. We have to have it. It's a human right. Right. You, yeah. It's a human yeah. right. Bernie. It's a human right to have an education. <laughs> it's a human right to have a house over here. It's not. I mean, I it put costs it, money. I put it in terms that like my sons can understand. It helps me understand, frankly. You know, not not talking down to my sons, but to 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 create an analogy. So if you take six trillion and you say that's sixty thousand, and you take thirty four trillion and say that's three hundred forty thousand. That's like a guy who makes $60,000 a year paying off a $340,000 Ferrari. It makes no sense at all. Right. It's, you're so upside down, and it's so absurd. It, it, you know, how we got into this, you know, the, the PPP program and it's social just, security look, misspending and just the you know, military. You may not even want to call it a $340,000 Ferrari. It's a $340,000 Honda Odyssey. Yeah. It's, it's, not even, it's not even a Ferrari. It's right? not even a Ferrari. Right. Right. It's some right. obsolete DeLorean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but no, I think that is, that's a nice way to water down to think about that. Yeah, it's crazy. Tri- because right. we cannot wrap our hand, heads around $340,000. So what trillion did General Patton do today? You must, you must have something. Oh, are we ready for this day in sure. World War II? Sure. Let's, let's go from you know, something frustrating <laughs> that none of us can do anything about yeah. to something, you know, history, which history, we can't, which, we can't do anything about that either, but it's so more fun. If you think where we are, we're, we're in uh, November, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And in 1941, we were just sort of whistling along, having right. a good time, mm-hmm. snapping our fingers, right. watching our kids play in the park, actually suffering probably from the depression. But uh, had a great radar station in Hawaii. Had a great radar I mean, we, station we, in Hawaii. We were all ready to detect, uh, you know, bombers and fighter planes coming to attack Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah. So in 1941, on this day, Joseph C. Crew, U.S. ambassador to Japan, cabled the United States State Department that he had heard Japan had prepared a plan to attempt a surprise attack at Pearl Harbor. The attack was quote, planned in the event of trouble with the United States. Wow. And, of course, we had all the warnings. We had all the, all like the foreshadowing, and still we were just uh, whistling along. Yeah. And, and um, lining up the planes in perfect order so they could be strafed very conveniently yeah, at, yeah. Uh, what, what, what's it called, uh, Hicks, Hick, Hickson Field or whatever the name of the Army Air Corps Field. All the airplanes, all the P forty Warhawks but were lined boy, up. They look good from the air today. <laughs> they look great, man. <laughs> like and you w- see those pictures. And Battleship Row was packed. Like most of our fleet, Pacific Fleet battleships were were there. 
None of our carriers were there. That's where we really lucked out. We lucked out a little bit. Yeah. Because we only had four carriers at the time. I mean, it really, Mm. like if you think about it, the U.S. did not want to get involved in the war. No. Or at least part of us, some of us did, some of us didn't. Yeah. Um, I think Roosevelt was uh, Churchill was, bit. was knocking at his door like Churchill constantly. and Roosevelt. If you read those correspondence yeah. back and forth, and some of their uh, they knew we were going to get in sooner or later. Some, yeah. say, at some point, sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, we were funding it and sending guys over there doing lots of stuff. But right. uh, you know, I guess it took it took that surprise attack at Pearl Harbor, and we had warning of it. And you know, it, it sort of wonders. I'm not a I'm no expert on this, but I'm sure the conspiracy theorists would say. Well, we were, we knew and we were okay with it because uh, they wanted us involved. I don't buy that. I don't, I don't think anybody wanted our guys yeah. to get slaughtered at Pearl Harbor. No, uh, that or that, that or lieutenant else. who was at the radar station, state of the art, like like this would be like their version in 1940s of Reagan's Star Wars technology, right? Yeah. This was – there basically wasn't radar until right before – World War II, yep. and everybody, the Germans, the Italians, the British, everybody's experimenting with radar. And here we have this concentrated uh, field of bumblebee, you know, hits on this radar screen, and the operator turns to the lieutenant. I used to know the lieutenant's name, and, you know, I mean, can you imagine being that guy? And he told the operator, no, don't call that into headquarters we're expecting some B-17s coming in, yep. and mm. and so th- that's probably what that is. And mm. a guy's like, well, man, that looks like a bigger cloud than two or three B-17s. Well, and again, wow. you can, like with, with uh, 2020 hindsight looking back, mm. and even maybe even like, uh, not even from 2020, maybe from 1942 looking back, yeah. you know, just a month later, yeah. or even six months later, yeah. when we really understood radar, like yeah. we were just, these were, you guys are brand new on radar. Oh, they it didn't was know what they were looking a at. brand new thing. Yeah. So you know. could it have been B-29s? Could it have been a fly? 17s. Or, or B-17s yeah. rather. Could yeah. it have been a, uh, a squadron of Japanese dive bombers? Yeah. Right? <laughs> could have yeah, been. Maybe. Maybe. You yeah. know? And, and mm. imagine a world where there's a Japanese fleet out there and you didn't know where it was. Yeah, like that—that right. that doesn't exist today. No, we have satellites. Warfare is totally yeah. different. Yeah. So, yeah. like there, there was a there was a time when there was a fleet of enemy ships floating about the Pacific, and you didn't know where they were, or our country didn't know where they were. It, right. It's sort of crazy. Yeah. Well, so, if you think, if you think the, about it too, that's a really good example of how many times have we been pulled in, kicking and screaming into a war. We don't go aggressively, and you US know what I mean. Does, does not for no, the most part, despite the wokesters. We, for, we do for not. the most no, part. Yeah, we, we go in kicking and screaming, going, "Oh, okay." Well, look, that's a great point, and particularly you know, what's going on in Israel. Well, World yeah. War One's a good example yeah. of that too. We didn't we did enter until involved. the final year, right. basically. So, for the most, I mean, not every example, but uh, you're, you're, no, no, no. I mean, look, I know, mean, we did not even even 1776. I mean, it, it, there's they pushed us so like, far. The we had to. It's like it, right. it, it was a it was a reluctant yeah um, engagement for most Americans. I think yeah. Um, eighteen twelve. People were ambivalent about that. And I think it, the Gallup poll done during the Revolutionary War indicated that only about a third of the American population was in favor yeah, of right. the revolution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just know, a bunch the, of farmers the other two and thirds guys. were like, "Hey, you know, whatever." Hey, I'm, but, I'm living yeah. just normal, right. just because fine. The money's yeah. flowing from England. Oh, I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't I'll affect pay my me. tax. Yeah, you know, or, stamp or tax. they're living off the grid. I think yeah. is really what was going on. And right. then in 1812, nobody was really involved. Nobody really cared about the war. And then Britain did something stupid, like go burn the White House. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all right, 
you sons of and impress yeah. uh, sailors yeah. from merchant ships right. into the but, British. But even then, you know, the, like I think most of the country didn't care or weren't, not. weren't directly affected. Now, yeah. that, I think that might be some has probably has a lot to do with media. Like it, it it's, yeah, right. you know, it's like right. you don't really True. know what's going CNN on. CNN did not oh, cover yeah. that story so in 1812 very you well. You weren't getting yeah. manipulated yeah. by yeah, an right. ever-present, omnipresent media at that you time. You know, the the most outrageous thing about Pearl Harbor that I think about, so you guys all know about these novels and shows. A lot of people know about this alternative, you know, it's, it's kind of a gaming thing, alternative World War II history, mm -hmm. what if kind of stuff. The most amazing thing to me about Pearl Harbor, it was the reaction by Hitler in Germany. So obviously we were attacked by Japan. We were not attacked by Hitler's Nazi Germany. Correct. Okay. So they had formed, you know, this tripartite kind of uh, alliance, uh, Italy, Japan, and Germany, right? The Axis. And... Hitler, like two days after Pearl Harbor decides, okay, since America declared war on Japan, I'm going to declare war on America. Otherwise, technically, we would not have been at war with Hitler's Germany. Yeah, what do you think about this? Because I, I know this history. And Hitler, and they say that was one of his big mistakes, but it wouldn't have been long. Right. I mean, we. He would have done something. Well, else. we would have. Yeah. Like, yeah. once we're in the war, we're in the war. It's like, what are we going to do? Just fight Japan and not its allies? Especially when the Axis is there. Right, so you, you kind of declare, declare war on one, you kind of all three. That's what an axis right. is you got, about. You got, yeah. And that was before yeah. 1941. Right, so we didn't, like Soviet Union was still, or Russia was still, yeah. uh, I guess, in, in somewhat of an alliance with Hitler at that time. Yeah. Um, but uh, we would have still had Churchill crawling up our backside. You know, how many, had, you know how many members of Congress voted against uh, the resolution to declare war against Japan? How many? One. One. I mean, and and I saw, she was yeah. the Democrat congresswoman that when he got out of the army, uh, Richard Nixon replaced in her district. He, hmm. he, what he district ran was on it? that. Somewhere in Southern California. You know, he was from San Clemente. Yeah. And and he, he, he ran on the basis that Harriet, I think was her first name or whatever it was, that she voted against the war. How do, how do you in good conscience vote against that? I don't, I don't even know. know. I mean, who knows? She was probably a Quaker like he was. You know, he was a Quaker. Know, maybe she's a Quaker. Maybe or she's she, the first original. Just, just believe. She's the first Karen, possibly. <laughs> the first Karen. Harriet the Karen. Right. Well, anyway. we, have a, we have a pretty serious case that we discussed ahead of time. Um, you know, it, it, and we're coming from this, from a, we're coming at this child pornography case uh, from the point of view of First Amendment, almost absolutism that I think all three of us believe in. After all, we're on the internet. We'd hate to be canceled. Uh, you know, we're on various platforms. We don't want to be deplatformed. But anyway, this child psychiatrist in North Carolina was federally charged uh, and tried and convicted and sentenced to uh, practically 40 years in a federal pen for creating for his own gratification or whatever use he created it for, but he didn't distribute it. He didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, transmit it. He, oh, no, no, he was creating, he was, he, he created, he created porn for his own consumption. No, no, he's my understanding. Except he didn't, he have surreptitious cameras taking yeah. videos oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. kids yeah. in his house. We, so, we, we, like, we can get into how he created yeah, the porn, I mean, but, but I'm, pretty just, stuff. I'm just saying he wasn't a peddler. So it wasn't like he put it out there for other people or right. sold it or, you know, he wasn't a merchant. He created child porn, and I'll just very quickly hit what what I think the 
the most interesting part of the facts are, to me anyway, from a First Amendment point of view. So he took pictures and video primarily of children, in one case an adult, who, who a former uh, patient of his, who, who later turned 18. But for, for the most part, let, for simplicity's sake, he took pictures and video of children and then used artificial intelligence uh, programs to uh, disrobe them, to, to, to make them naked and, uh, and to uh, create a montage or some kind of video or pictures uh, that were pornographic using their actual faces but not their bodies. And um, I think he was also ahead, he also had downloaded some other like he had he had a general cache of child pornography that he had downloaded and obtained in other in other ways. So that all that is true. Okay. Like, this is like the most egregious form of child pornographers there. And look, is there is there is there any other kind? You know, it's sort of like well, people that no, would sell it, are. I think, yeah. are even worse. There are right. And, and look, I mean, people don't like this because it's unpopular. And I've even become, I've been criticized about my thoughts, and and you know, I've defended folks who are charged with child pornography many times. Well, they're entitled to and, a defense. And and you know, yeah. I've seen categories of them. You have folks who are a lot of a lot of folks who were abused themselves as kids, and then they're somehow drawn to it. You have others who have sort of anxiety, ADHD, and compulsion issues, and it just leads, like regular porn leads to this sort of, you know, it's like there's no satisfaction. So you just, there is no limit on it, and you sort of remove your own personal uh, moral limits like you might with an addiction. So, um, Steve, can I ask the Holiday Inn expert question, right? Sure. So I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I went to law school, but I've stayed at a Holiday Inn, okay? So that makes me an expert, I guess. Um, so let me ask you my non-expert question. The thing, the only aspect of this case that bothers me, okay, is who's the victim, okay, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, if a person would paint that or if a person would sculpt it out of clay or if a person would draw it with uh, magic markers, so he used AI and he started off with actual pictures of actual people, children, right? right? And then he did not transmit that to anybody else. So nobody else in the world, according to the facts, or let's just assume these are the facts just to make it easier to talk about. He didn't share that with another child pornographer uh, consumer. He didn't put it on the internet. The children never knew he did this. Let's just assume that's true. And it may not be true, but just for discussion. So what I'm trying to get at is, what is it about AI or what is it about photography that is different than drawing it or painting it or making a sculpture? Well, I mean, look, this is all pretty complicated stuff, and I'll try to simplify it because it all goes back to the First Amendment. You have a right of freedom of speech. So you would say, well, who the heck has a right of freedom of speech when it comes to child pornography? And, well, I mean, it's it, it's like everything else in law. It all depends, and it's complicated. You know, this is the, the famous Potter Stewart quote about generally – Por, uh, pornography is like I can't define it, but I know it when I, I see, see it. it. Yeah, and then there's a case going way back to um, uh, it's it's um, uh, well, boy, I don't even know when it was. I think back in the '64, there's a case. It was, it was uh, Miller was the U.S. Supreme Court case, and it basically said it developed a three part test that talked about would the average person find this offensive? Does the community find this offensive? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go into the nuance, but there's a three part test, and basically what that was is a test for general pornography. Um, that, that defined it 
in, it was a moving target. It was, it's, a ter- it's a terrible case if you, if you believe in some mm. sort of legal precedent because it, it depended in large part of like what's acceptable in the community where it, where, you're, where it is. So what's acceptable in, in Ohio might be different than Hawaii or, or wherever. Sure. Um, and that's what, uh, that's what created all sorts of problems. So then, you know, anybody who's uh, followed the Larry Flint cases and, you know, yeah. that, that, that was some interesting law yeah. and that stuff. But the prosecutor there being Simon Lease from uh, Cincinnati, Hamilton County, Ohio. Since he makes it big again. Yeah. Um, Congress says, though, we're going to make child pornography uh, obscene. You know, so Congress starts passing a law about child pornography and uh, they're going to outlaw it, even if it doesn't meet the Miller test. So. The big question in um, a case called New York versus Ferber, F-E-R-B-E-R, was whether, all right, so we have children depicted in pornography. Is that, is that can, that, can Congress outlaw that without violating the First Amendment, even though it may not fit the Miller test? Now, how does it not fit the Miller test? I don't know. Go read the cases. Mm-hmm. But the idea is it's not pornography, but it involves children. Can we outlaw it? Um, and the court says yes, because we have to protect children. If you've used children to create it, so we can outlaw it for other reasons for the protection of the children. They're victimized by this. Uh, and uh, so, therefore, Congress can prohibit it without violating the First Amendment. Well, then Congress also realizes, uh, remarkably, I think back in like the 90s, they say, you know what? We envision a world where people are going to start creating virtual pornography, virtual child pornography. Um, and what does that look like? So Congress passes a law that says virtual pornography. Uh, so what I think it was something like uh, child pornography includes sexually explicit images that appear to depict minors but were produced without children, including computer-generated images that appear to be uh, child sexual abuse material, which the court described as, quote, virtual pornography. All right. Well, in Ashcroft versus the Free Speech Coalition, I think back in 2004, the U.S. Supreme Court says that does not that violates the First Amendment. So it is not uh, Congress cannot prohibit virtual child pornography. Um, and you know everybody's like, "Wow, this is crazy." Uh, but you know the, the the premise of the Ferber case was that you had kids that were actually victimized because of the creation of it, and they couldn't take that same reasoning and apply it to a virtual because there are no kids that are victimized as a result of the creation of it. So therefore, there's a First Amendment right. To that now, you sort of fast forward twenty more years, and you wonder how does this fit within the context of modern AI? Because even in 04, I don't think we contemplated the fact that you could virtually create something that looks completely real. We're not talking yeah. about cartoons. In 04, you know. it would have been Photoshop. Yeah, you could photo. Right. You know, yeah. right. and there was a lot of that. I was, there, rep- exactly. you know, I was representing child pornography cases when that case came out. Yeah, um, and this virtual pornography, like, so if you had like pictures of young cheerleaders or something, they had to actually prove the age. You know, they had to they had to prove it was a minor. And I see. And uh, there was a victim. And so then, you know, now when investigators get involved in these cases, uh, they they um, they uh, meta tag images that get passed around the internet. Oh. And, they, you know, at some point or another, a lot of those victims have been identified. So oh. when it comes to proof in court. Like a class photo that might be up on the Internet from a grade school. No, no, it'll, no. it'll show uh, that, maybe. Uh, that that face of that child is the same face that's in this porn. Yeah. Uh, yes. Is that what you or mean maybe by a it's met, like there was a Yeah, there was a mm. victim. There was a, a movie generated or somebody, some complete, you know, use the right explicative uh, created child porn with a real kid, and uh, that kid was identified at some point. 
and now those images are tagged so they know that kid and they can prove that that was an underage kid at the time and it was real so they can prove the case when somebody has that. Um, and, yeah, like an on-video, that would be an on-video rape and abuse of a child. And, yes, and, and it's not child porn unless you can prove it's a child. Yeah. So at yeah. some point, most of those have been proven, believe it or not. And, you know, these are horrible victims. Let me, of, let me of, throw of, this at you. So you, we know our mutual friend, Adam Barney. He's, he's mm-hmm. part of the munitions uh, law firm that uh, you do a podcast with those guys. Yep. I had, uh, had uh, discussed this with Adam yesterday. He, and I asked him, how do you distinguish this? You know, for, it, how is this different than that decision? You know, and, and what he thought is perhaps because this pornographer started and continued to use with his artificial intelligence the actual face of an actual child. So right. rather than creating a virtual child, he, he used photos and videos of actual children. Mm-hmm. And even though he didn't distribute it, they were then victims, Steve. What do you think about that? That might have been the difference here, right? No, I think what's really going on is, um, and we can pull it up and look at it again to get the facts, but I think this guy was doing a lot of other stuff too. So I think he was also downloading actual child pornography. I think they found a cache of child pornography in his um, storage devices. They found that he was actually videotaping kids yeah. surreptitiously. I'm, I'm just talking about the creation like that. aspect. That's, that's right. What's, that's what's but killing me. But he didn't, I don't, the bulk of his 40 year punishment was is, the other is stuff. for the other stuff. The yeah, other I don't side. think he was even prosecuted for this stuff. But here's what happens at, at the time of sentencing, um, and I confess, if so, everybody's listening to this. I know we've got millions of listeners across the world now. So if I get the facts wrong, forgive me. I haven't actually read yeah, the, the, yeah. the pleadings in the case. But I would surmise okay. that uh, at the time of sentencing, what happens is we delineate. And this is where I started this conversation. So we delineate those. It's all the same crime, possession and dissemination of child pornography. All right. So how do you decide what happens to one guy versus another guy? And I say guy because mostly it's guys. Yeah. Um, who didn't disseminate? Who did? Well, some do, and they don't even know it. So no, I'm just you've saying. Got a oh, yeah, by accident. If you've got a peer-to-peer yeah. network download onto your or yeah. a platform yeah. downloaded on your PC, yeah. then it could get out. It's going out. And yeah. Those are dissemination. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, and you know, how do you decide what happens to one versus the other versus the other? Okay. Well, you look for egregious facts. So one guy may have been uh, what I call a looker and deleter. You know, he just he's got this weird penchant because he was abused as a kid. Well, that's mitigating, right? I think anybody would look at that and say. All right, that sucks for him. It doesn't get him off. Like he doesn't get to win. I'm not going to say get him off. Right. He doesn't get to win. <laughs> right. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't get a pass for the child pornography. Right. Um, but it mitigates what should happen to him. Okay. And then you get dudes like this guy, who's a child psychologist who is uh, taking yeah. pictures of I think his patient. I mean, just yeah. horrible, horrible yeah, stuff. Right. Whether those individual acts were actually child pornography, they 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 were certainly more egregious. And they warranted a pretty hefty sentence. I mean, forty years is a, is a, is got, a number. I mean, oh, he got hammered. Yeah. He did. And, yeah. and look, it, I've never been to a federal prison, but I've heard that the, they call them chomos is what they would call them, child molesters. Uh, you know, they're not going to be treated well in the prison. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. in for a, he's in for a rough life. Yeah. Um. So he's getting his due cor- his due desserts here. And and so whether he was actually prosecuted for those sort of uh, AI created stuff images and and uh, pictures that he that he made. Or the other stuff, he got more of a sentence because of the stuff, even if it didn't become a separate offense. Okay. Um, so, look, this I is. Think that's, I think that's an excellent explanation, yeah. given his occupation and his, and his, uh, uh, his contact with children. Professionally, he violated 
All of that. Well, that sentence certainly sends shockwaves through that career path. You have access to these kids. Get your crap straight. Yeah, that's right. So, so, well, I know you're going to go off on on, on another. No, no, no. Something in my mind. Something in my mind. But if he, if you're to create this, let's just say he did not steal images or didn't take pictures of real people. He created on his own through AI. He had a lockdown computer that had no other access. He wasn't disseminating. Had it, and it was all AI or cartoon that sort of thing. But somebody found out he was doing it. Just happened to walk by, huh? and they they see on his computer. And I, I that kind of that goes back to my I first don't think amendment. that's a crime. Yeah, okay. I don't think that's a crime. That's okay. what Steve was saying. That right. that okay. that would be different. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's a crime at all. Okay, but it's as long as it's, that's protected speech. It's protected speech. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Under Ashcroft. Okay. All right. So, I, but Just it looks like, like a lot did. of speech is sick. A lot of speech. Oh, for sure. You know, for these sure. people, Hamas. You know, like yeah. let's kill every Jew. Yeah. That's yeah. sick. It's yeah. gross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But it looks like he was doing more than that, guys. He was Tatum possessed images and videos of child pornography between 2016 and 2021. The evidence revealed that Tatum secretly recorded a minor undressing and showering in 20. 16. Furthermore, it's discovered that Tatum made a similar recordings of others, including a patient. So he was doing yeah. more than just this yeah. doctor sure. images. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's and, how he was able to create it. He took those images and did more with and it. And then morphed them. But he already had him naked. And, and, and so that's possession of, in Ohio, it'd be possession of minor nudity oriented material. Yeah. Well, I, well okay. Yeah. yeah. I, it, yep. Because I don't, you know, I don't know all the nitty gritty. What I had heard about that shower scene was that that was a child patient of his who, who, after the child turned 18, then he videotaped that person as an adult. But it was still a patient of his. Yeah. Yeah. And the trial also uncovered Tatum's use of AI technology to digitally alter... I hate it when people split infinitives like this. To digitally alter clothed images of minors, transforming them into sexually explicit content. That's a different game. You know, I, I, yeah. I think that's that, the part I'm talking about. That's Steve. a re- no, sure. But yeah. that's a realm that that the Supreme Court is going to have to grapple with at some juncture. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to go back and revisit the Ashcroft decision. Maybe not. I don't okay. know. I'm no I'm no scholar in that area. I probably could not, not that it takes anybody exceptionally smart, but it would just take an attorney to go and do the research or anybody who's got a legal mind to go. It's the AI the aspect that drew me into right. this case. Yeah. Yep. And, and look, it's been happening for years. Yeah. So like yeah. you said, Brett with Photoshop. So yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll right. see. Um, fortunately, the guy seemed to be caught with other stuff. And that, that's usually what I see. It's like the first types of folks, like the deleters, the lookers, the people who have got this addiction sort of thing going on based on their past or their own psychological problems. They're, they're treated differently than the people who are out there creating child pornography, mm-hmm. acting on it, wanting to have sex with kids, uh, and heaven forbid, kidnapping kids and forcing them to do this stuff. I mean, that's a, yeah. those are, and in theory, they're very similar crimes, but they're treated significantly differently, and they should be. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, and they I, should be. And I don't want to put on record, and we talked about this before we recorded, I felt really weird. Googling this stuff. Up. <laughs> I well, just want to put on record just in case sure. anything Look, comes go the wrong way. I started with my legal search. It's like, geez. My legal search platform. So, yeah. so I Because it's odd to type into oh, Google Child yeah. Man. Sure. So I had to go yeah. with incognito kind well, of stuff. Like, I, just, I just wanted on the record, I, th- I was doing research. <laughs> well, absolutely. God. Right. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's so, you know, you remember when the, um, gosh, uh, I'm I'm, sl- I'm I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who put out all of that Defense Department information, you know, on WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Assange. 
right? Yeah, right. So I looked at some of that, and I thought at the time, you know, I'm sure there's somebody at the NSA, CIA, FBI that's not too happy that hundreds of thousands or millions of Americans are looking at stuff that is classified. But yeah. since it went out on WikiLeaks, I looked at some of it, mm-hmm. right? And so, but I did it under the same auspices that I looked at this. Mm-hmm. It's a news story, yeah. and I felt compelled to familiarize right. myself right. as a, you know, I think I'm a journalist. Well, and we're in the First Amendment world. That's right. Podcasting. That's right. You know, we yeah. want to make sure, you know. We are we are journalists of a kind. Of a kind, yes. So, correct. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. A nasty case uh, here locally involving a former Upper Arlington yeah. uh, coach. Cutler. Teacher. Yeah, mm. yeah. So there's a law that passed this year, if I understand this right, Steve will be all over this, called Marcy's Law. And the victim in this case, th- th- this abuse, this rape and abuse that was uh, uh, that is at the subject matter of this case, and this guy was indicted and, you know, and all that, and now he's got a plea deal pending. This all happened back in 2000 to 2003, involving it then, at that time, this lady was 12 years old for the next four years until she was 16 years old, sexual activity, intercourse, whatever, with this uh, Madison County uh, teacher. He then moved and got a job as a football coach teacher at Upper Arlington, and she came out of her therapy um, I think in 2021 or, or so, reported what she had gone through, uh, allegedly had gone through, to a teacher. The teacher was then compelled under law, reporting law. Mandatory reporters. Yeah. yeah. She had to then tell the Upper Arlington Police. They investigated. And the prosecutors over in Madison County did not follow Marcy's law and apprise her of the fact that a a plea deal was pending. She learned about that through the Upper Arlington Police Department, not through the prosecutors over in Madison County, which is a different county than where Upper Arlington is located, people. It's uh, Upper Arlington's in Franklin County. This case against this putative rapist, uh, is over there in, in Madison County. And I don't know why they're, they're, they're going to plea deal, but her big problem is the plea deal is such, her understanding and what the Upper Arlington Police said, this guy will not be on the sexual predator, whatever. Sexual offenders registry. Offenders right. registry. Go, Steve. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know the facts of the case, but I've, I've represented lots and lots of folks charged with these kind of offenses. And they're tragic when it happened they are tragic when they're false, right? And I say that because there are a number of these that are false that are, that didn't happen um, for all sorts of reasons, you know. And and when I do when I pick juries in these cases, I always ask, let's see a show of hands, how many people think that false allegations of sexual abuse happen? Yeah, McMartin Preschool, yeah. big one. And and everybody's hand goes up. And how many have heard in the news? Just you don't have to tell me the case, but has anybody here heard in the news of a story where somebody was exonerated after like you know twenty years of of being in prison? After a false accu- after falsely accused of, of raping a child, and you know almost all everybody's got a hand. Yeah. How many people think that the case they're working on at that time, that case, that the prosecutor, the caseworkers, the social workers, the police, the the jury, the judge, how many think they were getting? How many think that they thought or knew they were getting it wrong at the time? And it it causes everybody to pause. So how does that happen? Like how do we get to a spot where somebody gets falsely convicted of child sex abuse? 
And then that enters a discussion with my jury panel about all the emotionally uh, offensive and, 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 and overcharged, that's not the right, but emotionally charged reaction, this guttural like, oh, what a horrible creep. And here's what happens. And this is not to say anything about the case we're talking about. I'll get to that in a second. But yeah. here's what happens. Um, it, it, we tend, as a society, to permit convictions on these types of cases upon evidence that would not be sufficient, even close to be sufficient in any other type of case. So, for instance, I had a case where a, a five-year-old or a four-year-old girl was living with her uncle at the time, and she said that a, uh, a witch, uh, there was a storm outside, and a witch jumped off the tree into her window um, and uh, talked to her and said that her uncle is molesting her, uh, and it went on and on and on. And, on. and it, my client was indicted on that. Um and that, that really was the allegation. You know, there wasn't much detail to it. There was nothing else. And I, you know, my, my, my opening statement, closing art, my closing art in that case was like, imagine like, uh, I can't remember exactly how I framed it, but it was like at the end I switched it and I was like, yeah, and it's a theft case. Like who's going to convict on that in a theft case? Some witch told a young four-year-old that there was a theft. Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't even have been indicted. And I'm not saying that, that we don't need to prosecute the cases that occur, but we have to be careful about prosecuting cases. Now, about Cutler's case. I don't know if this guy did it. I don't know that he didn't do it. But I do know this. These cases are treated seriously in the system. That was the purpose of my little diatribe, is that they are always treated seriously. I've never run into one in the last 28 years that a prosecutor thought, nah, no big deal. It's just a girl who claims that she was abused by a teacher. <laughs> it's like, of yeah. course they're taking it yeah. seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, then why then is there a deal? Why is there some sort of concession being made by the prosecutor? And I know the prosecutors out there, they're not going to just make a concession because they don't care about a victim of crime. There's a flaw in the evidence somewhere. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know. You know, I have no idea what it is. It might be that the disclosure was too delayed and it's not credible. Maybe there was a police search that's not admissible. I mean, somewhere there's a problem. And, and you know, they if a prosecutor thinks that they can win the case in front of a jury, they're not going to offer a pass, you know. Yeah. Uh, they like It's like a poker game. I hate to say that, but a lot of what I do is like a poker game. You know, I wonder what their cards are and they wonder what my cards are. What's a jury going to do with the case upon hearing it? And here I would, I would surmise the prosecutor evaluated that question and had some concerns about their ability to get a conviction. All right. And so they offered a deal. Now, back to Marcy's Law, uh, which is a constitutional amendment in Ohio now that says victims of crime have a right to be at all present, be present at every proceeding and have input and all this stuff. I hate it. I hate it with a freaking passion. Not because I, I'm not unsympathetic, to, not because I'm unsympathetic to victims, but because it throws a gum in the works of the justice system. Prosecutors have to be able to evaluate their cases uh, on the merit not on the emotion. And when they evaluate cases on the emotion, two things happen. Um, they may lose a case because they would end up trying a case like this one that they couldn't win. Uh, so the, a creep or a, a defendant walks free when he shouldn't on a plea bargain. He at least is convicted of something. Or worse yet, somebody is wrongfully convicted. That's how wrongful convictions happen. Emotional prosecutions lead to wrongful convictions. And having victims with too much input. Now, look, what is too much? You know, you guys, the, these wise old General Assembly members and constitutionalists can tell me. But, I, you know, we're getting to the point now where I, had, I just filed a motion in a case. Everybody's heard of separation of witnesses, or at least most people have. So if you're a witness in a case, in a jury trial, in theory, you're not allowed to be in the courtroom watching all the evidence 
and watching all the other witnesses testify because you can then gear your testimony to what you've heard. Yeah. You know, it, it, it creates some <clears throat> obvious common sense uh, fertile ground for bias or for witnesses to sort of shade their testimony mm-hmm. to fit the evidence. Mm-hmm. With Marcy's law, I'm not allowed to keep out victims from the courtroom. They get to watch all the testimony, um, which is insane to me. So I've got a case coming up where there are two alleged victims and they both get to listen to the other's testimony. And and they're on the witness list. They're on the witness list. They're both going to testify and they both get to sit in there for the whole time and listen to all the testimony. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it reeks of, of problems. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. But that's what Marcy's law says. So when we were here talking to the cops, I think we were talking about um, Megan's law at that point, but, yeah. mm-hmm. or Reagan Tokes rather, Reagan yeah. Tokes, yeah. uh, which is a different scenario. But, you know, as a, as a wise judge once said, it was a, he was a judge up in a, in a bench in one of the counties. I'm not going to mention his name. He just said, any law that's named after somebody is usually a bad one. <laughs> so Steve, oh, wow. Steve is a take home here. So I'm, I'm thinking of this. Uh, so I'm not the parent of a young girl. Well, boys can be, boys can be sexually assaulted. Happens too. all the time. Sure. That's right. So I'm just thinking of this, but my sons aren't minors anymore, but I'm thinking of what the takeaway is because this victim, this particular lady, and she's all over the news, so I don't mind saying her name, Essie Baird, uh, bravely came forward. If all of this is true, and I'm mm-hmm. just for sake of argument. Right. Let's, let's take it as true. Let, yeah. You take it as true. She said she did not go to her parents. Her father died before she came out of her therapy and decided to uh, talk to this teacher who reported the crime. Um, and she's glad that her father didn't know about this because he would have done something insane, she said. Mm-hmm. Um, but her mother is very distraught. So, Steve, is the takeaway, if you're the victim or know of a victim of abuse, you want to preserve that evidence. You want you want to get a rape kit done as soon as possible. You want to seek uh, help at a hospital you, in order for it to be credible and carry the day against the perpetrator, right? Yeah. The thing to do as a victim is get help, like yeah. in real time. Although that's not because easy, Because otherwise right? it's a he said, she said yeah. 20 years Look, later. This is, like this is, this is very 20 difficult. years later. This is very difficult. All the, ch- like the, the, there are experts in the field. I, I work with them regularly and the psycho- child psychologists. And they would, they would all agree resoundingly that delayed disclosures of sexual abuse uh, happen and not only happen, they it has no impact on their credibility. You know, it's like you can delay for years and years and years, and then make a disclosure, and that shouldn't by itself say it's cases, not true. It's still true. Okay. Um, there are some other things at play, though. When asked, kids almost overwhelmingly will disclose. So if you've got a specific ask, so if you go to when I defend the cases, I try to get to the counseling record. So. By and large, there's counseling records or doctor records. And, and my kids got the good touch, bad touch questions from a pediatrician. Is anybody touching you? Has anybody abused you? And, and maybe the questions have to be more specific. But, you know, when asked, kids will disclose. So it is also true, though, that delayed disclosures can be false. And, you know, how do we, sure. how do you delineate the two? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, that's when the prosecutors have to evaluate their case. The, the strength of their case certainly diminishes by time. Yeah. Um, be, if, for common sense reasons, like witnesses disappear and, you know, maybe uh, uh, the memories, victim, get foggy. memories get foggy. You're 12 years old. Yeah. I don't remember 12 years. Again, that dramatic of an instance, you're going to remember. Maybe. But it's but, also true. But your, you your, your true. mind also compensates too, right? Yeah. There's studies on this where they will implant 
quote implant memories. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll say like th- th- there's been studies where, where suggested memories like a birthday parties and well that was the McMartin that was the McMartin preschool case. The counselors injected scenarios into these yes. kids and the kids repeated it back. It's called mm-hmm. suggestive questioning. So how kids are questioned by the authorities initially is critical mm-hmm. to a to the veracity of the allegation. Okay. So if a young kid and the younger the kid, the more suggestible they are where, and, and, you know, there's protocols for this that are nationally adopted and Ohio doesn't always follow them, but there are protocols for how you conduct a quote, a, a forensic interview. And the problem is it's usually not the professional forensic interview that does the first interview, right? It's usually a mom or a grandparent or a family member, yeah. or, and a lot of times in the context of like a nasty divorce, it's a mom saying, isn't your dad doing this to you? Or, you know, and that happens a lot. So you see to, a lot of false allegations wow. in the context of divorce cases. And then to please the questioner, that's right. they're thinking, oh, I need to. You don't want to say no to mom. Right. Well, I got to go dad. along with the red, Little it's Red Riding happened, Hood story. It's happened. I've never been accused of sex abuse, but similar things have happened mm. in my life, right? Where, sure. oh, you know, yeah. my kids will tell their mom one thing and I'm like, no, no, right. no, no, yeah. no. Um, like it's my ice cream theory, right? They right. don't talk. They don't talk. Like she doesn't. She didn't extract any information about all the fun times we had. No. Only the bad stuff, mm, right? So, right. you know, there's a, there's an inherent bias that we all walk around with, mm. whatever it is. Yes. And that can impact the veracity of these allegations. The mm. point is, there's more to it. I'm defending a case now where there's like the, these these alleged victims were like five and three years old when it began, and they claimed to have memories. And you know, there, there's studies on this where kids will remember birthday parties that never happened. You know, so they'll they'll have like. They'll uh, t- adults will talk about birthday parties all through the child's life, or I think that, I don't know the controls, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then when they're adults, they say, "Do you remember the birthday party where the horse was there and you had yeah. a birthday cake?" And oh yeah, I remember that. And it didn't happen. Totally figment of their imagination. Yeah. It was a totally yeah. implanted memory. Yeah. Um. So or suggested memory. It's I guess uh, like anything in law, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. But I look. I this is not to say I'm not empathetic and sympathetic to no, anybody, let alone not. this gal who's been of abused. Course. And of Cutler course. had other problems too. He, I know he was a UA football coach and, and had some other issues. So, yeah, you know. Hmm. No, I, I think it's also important here to say that our system of justice requires a vigorous and competent defense because we don't want innocent people uh, being uh, imprisoned. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, so the role of a defense attorney like my father, like Steve, my deceased father, and and Steve here, you know, people will say, well, how, and and this came up, my dad was a politician, so this came up in his debates against his opponents. Oh, you're defending that murderer or that rapist or whatever. Well, you know, have you seen To Kill a Mockingbird, anybody? You know, like, or have you read that book, or do you know anything about at all what the framers of the Constitution intended, both state and federal, is that, not only, if you can't afford an attorney to defend you, it's so important that society will get you an attorney. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and and generally, the more attorney you can afford, the better you're off. And your you know? dad would your dad would appreciate this question. I do when I do when I pick juries, I also ask this kind. Of, generally, I'll, I'll ask this question. It's like, how many people here? What do you think uh, that if I if you had to pick the top question I get, like cocktail party question I get as a criminal defense lawyer? People here, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. Right. And what's the like, Norm, if I asked you, what do you think the top question I get is? Oh, I, I think it would be, how can you possibly defend, you know, some scuzzball, blah, right, blah, right, blah. Right, right, right. Bam, number one. I usually yeah. do it like family feud. It's like, all right, 100 people survey, top five <laughs> right, answers on right, the board. Here's right. the question. What's the top right. question a 
criminal defense lawyer. But gets they the won't cocktail ask party. the cardiologist, "How can you fix messy hearts?" And you know, or, you and you know. know what my answer is to that question? It's like sometimes people also ask other questions, like how much to get me off. You know, it's like I get those; they're, they're funny. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But my answer is always like, okay, you know what? Those are the easy ones. Like those are the easy ones. Yeah, that's right. That's a system. Who man. thinks? Who has an idea of who, what the hard job is? What my real job is? What if somebody's not guilty and yeah. they've been accused? Right. Like then how do you, then how do you defend that right. guy? Right. Yeah. Like how do I come in here in front of you twelve folks with a guy I know didn't do it? Right. And and they're the whole weight of the government is coming down on them with Officer you know Jones over here and right. and Trooper Smith from the patrol is going to come in here and all these guys as caseworkers and police are all going to say he's guilty and like how do I how possibly do I handle that like so Steve you've never had a case I'm guessing in the state of Louisiana right. So I think that's the only state of the 50 that has some remnants of the Napoleonic Code where you have to prove yourself innocent on some charges. You know, the flip-flop, what what it is in the rest of the country. I'd be curious how that passes constitutional muster. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it... it, it, uh, Which, you you know, to have to prove yourself innocent, well, no wonder they took so many people to the guillotine. Of course, right? (laughs) And it's not just that it's... Here's the thing. This happens in two ways. It's not... Sort of back to where I started. Like, nobody thinks that... It's hard to get your head around the fact that anybody thought, any government official thought they were actually trying to prosecute wrongfully somebody who was innocent. Right. Um, and that did happen, particularly in Jim Crow South. I mean, it happened a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, in, right. in Napoleon times. And, and yeah. But, but like what you just said, like, think about how much abuse that gets. And I think this is where, uh, as a broader common sense approach to government, like the more power you give the government, the more power you give them to do those things. And the bad actors can take over and use those levers as a as a mechanism to prosecute their political opponents, for instance. You, you guys uh, mm-hmm. want to do a couple of uh, Ohio-based stories? Yeah, why we still have Steve here. Yeah. So there is um, a House bill. I don't think it's going anywhere because of the politics in Ohio, but it's interesting that this has been reintroduced again this session. Uh, the unions are, uh, it's called House Bill 205, and all of the business organizations are against this. And what it is, it requires journeyman level training and certification like you would get in a labor union uh, for any uh, maintenance, construction, uh, repairs, uh, anything to do with the petroleum industry, oil, gas, uh, coal, uh, essentially fossil fuel industry, um, and I, I'm sure nuclear is in there as well. But anything involving that on the premises of those kinds of businesses or utilities, uh, you have to have this journeyman level thing. And of course, the NFIB, uh, Independent Business, um, the American Petroleum Institute, the Ohio Manufacturers Association, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, they are all opposing this because it would require journeyman level training, which nobody can really even know what that is. For people mowing the grass, yeah, you know, this is this is or fixing yeah, the air conditioning. This is just a way to spend our money. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so, a way to spend. Look, I I don't think that government should have contract. I, I don't think the government should be responsible for mowing its own grass for doing any of it. Not even in parks. I think I think yeah. the better play if a government's going to own a park, contract it out to Absolutely. the bidders and right. get the best job. I mean, that's right. Get, my, get competing bids. Jay the exchequer always comes in and says you should see the equipment that Dublin has. I mean, they've got brand new trucks, they got brand yeah. new mowers, they got brand new trailers. Like yeah. it's all brand new. All brand new. And it, they don't need it. No. 
but they can spend they then they get their budget. Better buy it because right. our budget's gonna be over, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, yeah. blah. We're right. gonna lose it if we don't spend it in more January. employees, more pensions to pay. It, yeah. it just goes on. It's and on. Lunacy. lunacy. Um so put it out to the highest bidder and get this crap out of the government in the first place. Mm-hmm. The other one is this developing story about this uh, terrible bus crash, another oh, uh, wreck yeah. involving uh, a bus. So we had a a student killed uh, as a result of a, um, a uh, well, he was an illegal immigrant, and he, and he did something, uh, came into the, uh, the lane over there in the Springfield, Ohio area earlier this year, and a school bus overturned. This case that happened just this week in Monday, involved, two, I think it was Monday. It, it, Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, November the 14th, 9 in the morning. Apparently, according to the NTSB, which is investigating – there was an earlier accident or safety situation, and they were slowing traffic down because of an earlier incident. When this second incident took place, the deadly one where six people were killed and 18 others were injured, uh, apparently what it – and this is, this is pen- tentative, people, so don't take this as gospel. But apparently the SUV carrying the chaperones and the – charter bus, which was a commercial bus, not a school bus, but, you know, your big Greyhound type of bus that was chartered with 57 uh, people on board going to an Ohio School Boards Association meeting in Columbus to participate. And and it was high school students, uh, some teachers, and some chaperones in the SUV. The chaperones generally aren't allowed on the bus with the students, so they're, they're in an SUV following is typically the situation. Um, because to be with students, you got to be fingerprinted. There's all this protocol and typically parents are not approved to be with other students besides their own kids. So at any rate, the chaperones are behind the bus, supposedly the bus and the, in the SUV slow down because there is some incident taking place and apparently quote unquote, this semi tractor uh, did not slow down and rear-ended the SUV and the bus, uh, killing one person in the SUV and five people, including three students on the bus. So total of six uh, deceased. And um, I, I saw the pictures. The bus caught fire. Uh, the driver of the bus, quite heroically, with four bones broken in his legs, still managed to open the doors you know, crawling around in the thing, open the doors to let wow. the, the survivors out. Mm, so wow. this guy was, I mean, remarkable, remarkable, wow. right? To have the presence of mind to overcome his own pain and and do his job so people could egress. So off the bus. did did anybody conclude what the what the element here of causation was? The NTSB says it's going to take possibly. 12, 12 to, to, six, eight, to, to 18 six, months. Yeah, 18 I'm thinking, months. that's funny cow. because every time I have a case that there's an accident, they seem to know, like, right, like, <laughs> like immediately right. jump to the conclusion right. immediately. And right. I, look, I don't have any fault yeah. for somebody wanting to figure it out and get it right. I got a hunt. Like, you know, at some point we get to these, the law of unintended consequences, the more safety regulations, like you don't have people on the bus. Like I can't say that's like not permitting certain people on the bus and having this and having somebody follow. Like there's almost always adverse consequences to that stuff. Yeah. I'll be curious if there's an intellectually honest assessment of what caused this and what it was. I'd love to know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know. Yeah. Uh, apparently well, there's, there aren't going to many, many people survive it a hit from a semi 
doing full bore. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, no, of course ultimately, not. you know, yeah. it, it just comes down to the guy just wasn't and, paying attention or right, the, it, whatever. It, it sounds like the semi-driver committed a sure clear distance ahead violation and ran into somebody. That's and, and the initial killed. gut yeah. feel yeah. that I have, too. Yeah. The pictures show mm. the, the, the semi is still square. I mean, post-accident mm-hmm. pictures, it's still square right behind the commercial bus. And they're both accordioned. You know, like the impact was super it's awful. That's super. Ho- let's hope that I, when you see those things, you hope that those that passed away from it yeah. was instant. Yeah, you just don't want to. You hear just that hope. You just hope. Yeah. yeah so the the good news about the investigation aspect is that apparently several of so there were a total of six vehicles. Five were in the accident. One other got some damage. Another commercial vehicle, but. Apparently, the from an investigative point of view, if you want to call it good news, uh, it, it, is that there are many of these vehicles, maybe all of them, have black boxes that have, uh, you know, inertia data, hmm. you know, who braked when. It's and really remarkable what they can tell yeah, you. Yeah, so wow. I guess almost like an airplane wreck, these black boxes may may help tell the story. They will. They will. Wow. So. Well, look, okay. uh, I got something to talk about, and then we probably have to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Yeah. So as we get into Thanksgiving, we should be thankful. I think we've all started this way. Let's sort of wrap it up this way. Uh, one thing people love to do is spend time with family. It's, I think it's a lost um, activity to go spend time with your family in the woods while hunting deer. And if you happen to have kids and you're interested and your kid's interested in youth season, that starts on Saturday morning. So youth season, Ohio Department of Natural Resources, they carve out a separate season for kids to go out with their chaperones, hopefully parents or somebody, a mentor, uh, and they get to sit in the woods. So I plan on doing that this weekend with my son in the woods. It's sort of a, an awesome around Thanksgiving type activity. And then, of course, the Orange Army comes out yep. the day after Thanksgiving or the week, the Monday after Thanksgiving. So, Steve, is this youth gun Youth gun season, Youth yeah. Gun, so yeah. it's been bow season now for quite a while, but the rut is on. You know, yeah. everybody those those connoisseurs of watching uh, deer do crazy things in the woods. It's happening as we speak. So there's lots of hunters and lots of trucks on the side of the road. So everybody be careful out there. Oh, that's uh, that's the message. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. In you my know. in my county, and this goes back a number of years, but a, a farmer was shot off his tractor. Unbelievable. You know, right. I mean, you know, right. guys, you know, and guys climbing over fences that place the gun barrel up as they climb over the fence, their, their toe or something hits the trigger. Right. Oh, come, come oh, I got on. a better idea. Unload come it. On. Unload yeah. the toe. Right. Unload it. Honestly, right. Get, guys. You know, it's like, you're not going to, you're no. not going to have to jump shoot a deer while you're un, while you're climbing over a fence or going up to your stand or whatever. So, you know, we pray for the safety of all the hunters out right. there. And I also mm-hmm. pray for, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity that we still have to go spend time because you know what you're not doing in the woods while you're spending time with your son or your daughter hunting, it's like you're not watching TV in your family room and you're not playing video games and you're not right. staring at TikTok. Well, you probably could stare at TikTok depending <laughs> on where you are. But uh, I guess the point is, is like it's a great activity uh, and quickly it's it's falling off favor in our society. So, you know, everybody be safe out there and uh, and uh, enjoy the pre-Thanksgiving week. And, and then the other caution I have is the biggest party night of the season – is Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> so next Wednesday, when your kids are home from college and they're going to go hang out with their buddies, uh, or if you're one of those kids listening and you're going to go hang out with your buddies, just be safe, man. Just be safe. And guys, have we decided we're not doing a Thanksgiving show, or we are? What do you think? The Friday after? Yeah. Uh, well, to be determined. 
To be okay. To be determined. I'll probably be here. Okay. I probably probably will be too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see you. We'll be back next Friday. And and do you hear that collective ah, from the audience? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Thank goodness. (laughs) I heard it. (laughs) So we could talk about the Ohio State game. Will will that have taken place? That will not have taken place yet. That will be the day before the Ohio State Michigan game. We'll do pregame chatter. We'll do a pregame. We'll do pregame chatter. We'll do pregame condition or pregame. Pre-game predictions. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be on Saturday following that'll our show. Okay. Yeah, that's so true. Will be. You're, you're not going to go two weeks without Common Sense Ohio, but if you had to, you could still go to commonsenseohioshow.com and check out our backlog of episodes, which are gaining a number every week by one a week. You <laughs> see that, Matt? Stop it. Doesn't that make common sense? So every week you get to go listen to another one. If you think that, oh, man, I missed it. Don't worry. Just go to commonsenseohioshow.com. And while you're there, you might as well subscribe and you might as well like us on Facebook. So I searched on Facebook, um, and again, a, a ever-growing followers and likers yeah. on social yeah. media right. after us. We got video. So how about video? All of our friends. Rumble. All of our Rumble. family. Rumble. Rumble. YouTube. <laughs> Facebook. It's all there. See, we're, we're on the cusp. The cusp of taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Here at Common Sense Ohio, coming at you right from the middle, at least until now.